0: My nurse plops down on the floor next to me, sticks her hand up to see where I'm at, and she's like, she's an eight. Get her in the
1: bed now. We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula.
2: Welcome to Mother Birth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of everybody. Welcome to Mother Birth Today. We have got a special guest that we are interviewing today. Her name is Emmy Lowe. Emmy is a very um, excellent photographer who does a lot of different types of photography, but she's done a lot of birth photography, and we, we really love her work and came across her birth story a few months ago when she had her, her daughter, and we are just so excited to share her story with you today. We think it will be really inspiring for our listeners. So, Emmy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then we'll get into your story. Sure. I am a
0: Salt Lake City native. I am 29 years old and I just had a little girl. She is six months old now and her name is Rooney. And um, like you mentioned, I do photography and then I primarily did like wedding and commercial for the past five years. And then when I got pregnant with my little girl, we'll started to have some fertility issues and then got pregnant with her, I decided to taper off and now I'm just kind of momming and then doing photography on the side, so.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that sounds like a great place to dive in. You you mentioned having some fertility issues. When did you start trying to get pregnant, and what did that part of your journey look like?
0: So my husband graduated law school in May of twenty. 20- Sixteen, and we started trying like the month before that. I had my IUD removed. I had that for about three years, and um, we got pregnant that first month. And then I miscarried um, about two days after I found out I was pregnant. So mm-hmm. I was about five weeks along, and then it took me another five months to get pregnant. After that, it just kind of had a hard time recovering, and mm-hmm. um, miscarried again in October, and then. After that after that miscarriage, I decided I wanted to just go forward and try. I didn't want to put any lag time in between and we got pregnant with Rooney.
2: So wow. was lucky. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so interesting how, you know, we all there are so many different ways to respond to that kind of loss. And sometimes women really need some space and time to heal. And other times people feel like they just wanna, you know, jump right back on the wagon. Yeah.
0: That first time I needed that
2: space for sure.
0: I And I think that was partly why my body wouldn't allow myself to get pregnant again is because I just was so shooken up. It just, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get, you know, past that. And then the second time I had a miscarriage, I was devastated, of course, but it was so much easier to be like, okay, let's just try again right away. Let's not mm-hmm. wait. Let's
2: just go for it. Hmm. That's it's such a... Such an interesting direction for it to go. I feel like it's often the opposite for women.
0: Yeah, I'd be. I mean, a lot of people that I've spoken to that have had similar situations, I have been pretty vocal about my miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And I like to be because I feel like it's a topic that's not talked about often. And my gratitude for my little girl is huge. And I think that part of it is because I lost too. And I mm-hmm. realized mm-hmm. that that was really, really devastating. And like these women who are suffering from infertility or miscarriages. I mean, it's one in four women who have a miscarriage. And a lot of them don't even realize that they've had one because they're not necessarily tracking their pregnancy or right. it just feels like a heavy period. And so like after that, I just talk to a lot of women. And I, I mean, you do, you see both sides and it's so individual yeah. and personal. You can mm-hmm. never like tell someone how they need to recover or, you know, how quickly they need to for that
1: matter. Absolutely. i was just saying, I think that's a really good point to make too, is just that it is such an individualized thing. And I think, What you said and and sharing your story, you get to kind of be that for people, and not in telling them what what they need to do, but what you did. And I think that could bring a lot of strength to people and a lot of confidence as -hmm. they kind of move through their own grief. If they have seen other people grieve in a variety of ways, you know, I think we've heard a lot of women share um, stories of loss on our show, and I'm I'm still inspired. I'm constantly inspired, and I even think for myself, like. You know, when that time comes, if it happens, you know, when I'm trying to get pregnant, if it happens, I feel like now I have this whole army of people behind me who've gone before me and have kind of not, again, like not to solve solve someone else's grief, but just to show them that it's possible to grieve and to also have joy after.
2: Totally. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So true. Yeah. I love that. So I just kind of want to like get a feel for, did you, was like miscarriage something that you had any you know, context or familiarity with before your own journey through those losses? Was it something that you had, you know, walked through friends with or seen, you know, in, in your own life, or was it just a total shock? Never. The only interaction I had with miscarriage, and I kid you not, was there's
0: a movie called What to Expect and You're Expecting. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, they have a girl who, you know, they have like a one night stand she gets pregnant and she miscarries. And that was honestly the only, like, interaction or familiarity I had with miscarriage and so after I did miscarry I'm I'm a pretty emotional person and I have to kind of talk things through and I want to tell my friends what's going on because otherwise I can't really be normal and then I don't want it to be uncomfortable for other people and so I told my close group of friends and um come to find out almost like half of them had had a miscarriage. And I had never known because it just, for them, it was never something they talked about. Mm -hmm. And so I wondered, you know, it wasn't until after my second miscarriage that we talked about sharing my story. And I wondered, would this just be a good place for some women to come back to, to, like you said, read an experience that I went through might be different from theirs, but it also shows, you know, how I went through the grief and what I did to um, recover, if you ever do, for that matter. Yeah. And it was crazy because I, I published this story um, on my Instagram and on my blog and just kind of published it to people. And then I literally found out I was pregnant like seven days later. Mm-hmm. And I felt so guilty yeah. for having this post up there about my miscarriage when everyone's like saying sorry to me and writing me and giving me these... You know, such personal stories, and I like wanted to be there for them. And I was
2: like, I don't even, you know, now I'm pregnant. Like, right. this is crazy. Yeah, we've talked to guests about that before, and you know, kind of termed it as survivor's guilt. It's, you know, it's something that I think I've experienced, and I know so many women do. Like when you kind of, you know, when you've been in that place of of loss and and grief, and you really connect with other women, and there's sort of the sharing of the, you know, the humanity and the just the like intensity of that that kind of experience and then when you move through that and not that you like you said it's not like you recover or you heal or it's over or like you move on but you know you kind of move to another stage of your life and and now you're pregnant it's like you you really like don't know how to reconcile how to relate with these women and you know how they're going to feel about the fact that you're pregnant and they're not you know just it's a complicated thing
0: It is. And it feels complicated in your own brain and you don't know how to, you know, section that out for people and let them know that you still feel for them. But now you're excited and you want to talk about your pregnancy and you don't want to shove it in people's faces at the same time.
2: Yeah. 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 It is such a tricky balance because... You know, you're, you're entitled to both the grief and the complexity and continuation of that throughout your journey as a mother, And even once, you know, you have a, a living daughter with you, but you're also entitled to the joy and to, you know, the wonder exactly. of actually, you know, being a mother and having a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. (laughs) So you get pregnant with Rooney, you're excited, you're kind of, you know, navigating what that looks like, sharing with your community. Um, How did you feel during that pregnancy? Did you feel worried that you would miscarry again? Were you able to kind of, what was that experience like for you?
0: I feel like one of the only fortunate things that I went through with all of this was that because of my two miscarriages prior, they treated me like I was high risk, Mm. even though I technically wasn't necessarily going to be. So I had blood tests from the moment that I got pregnant and found out like at five weeks and on. Um, and so I was then going into the hospital, I got an ultrasound, I think at like seven weeks, um, was when I started going to my doctor's office, they would do an ultrasound every single time. And I remember going back one time and it had been like three weeks and they, I was like, can I get my ultrasound? And they're like, oh, we actually don't do an ultrasound every time. And I'm like, oh, that's weird because I've literally had one every single time I've been in here. So can we do that? Because <laughs> I was so used to seeing her and knowing she was okay. But I think that I definitely was concerned and I, I definitely was worried. But you know, after that second miscarriage, I think my um, mind frame just started to change and how I looked at all of this. I was Super, super sick my first trimester. So I had some pretty dark days of like, what am I doing? Like, why? Why did I want this so much? I'm so sick. And mm-hmm. that was even more tormenting because I'm like, you're fighting so hard to get this baby here. And here you are saying that you're not willing to put up a little bit of pain for a minute. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of screws with your head a little bit with your hormones. But after about 12 weeks, I got one of those Dopplers that you can listen to your belly and from then it was pretty smooth sailing. She was really active and we could always hear her heartbeat really quickly. And so it was, it was a good, good experience coming off of a miscarriage. We didn't have any scares. We didn't have any like, Oh
2: no, you know,
0: everything was like more than good every single time that we had her checked.
2: Yeah. It's nice when you have one of those normal and normalizing experiences that kind of, it does not erase the previous experiences, but it, it does kind of, it kind of puts them back into, you know, the right place in the picture. Totally.
0: Yeah. I had a, this week, someone that I know had some fertility issues and I don't, I didn't know her story super well other than what I've seen now, but then was pregnant with twins and lost her twins. And they were like 21 weeks mm-hmm. along or something along those lines. And I, sorry if I get emotional, but I had a really hard time this week, mm-hmm. even like trying to navigate that pain for her Mm -hmm. because I realized in a way I've kind of forgotten about the pain that I felt because now I have her on this earth. Like I'm could never be happier. Mm -hmm. And so it's such a confusing, you know, I was talking to another friend who had miscarried and I was telling her about how I was feeling. And she's like, Oh, I, I totally feel that way. She's like, you forget about the pain. And you know, it's, and I don't know, it's just so weird and confusing and you never know how to feel. Do I still mourn them or do I just be appreciative? So my way has just kind of been to be appreciative of Rooney and just really live in the moment every single time I'm with her.
2: Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. I think it's it's like you said earlier, you know, do you ever recover like and yet at the same time on a day-to-day basis you aren't living in that place of pain and I think that I think for you know every every experience of loss is different and so for anyone listening that that it is not like this know that that is also normal but I think for a lot of people it comes down to like the day to day you know you're not you're not constantly in this this state of you know feeling that loss or that grief and yet when you sit with it, it is still there, you know, and you still, you still are, um, there's still an absence there. There's still something that feels like it's like, it's part of you that isn't, it hasn't come to fruition, you know? Totally. Yeah. So, so your pregnancy with Rooney was pretty, pretty straightforward. Some morning sickness in the beginning, no scares along the way. What did you do to prepare for labor? So I had an early on decision that I wanted to go unmedicated.
0: And so we did a prep class here in Salt Lake, um, called it just a hypnobirthing type Mm -hmm. class It's called the Curtis method. And, um, my husband went with me to that. And I think that it was mostly insightful for him because he, his perception of birth was screaming and tears and swear words and, you know, negative energy and just like, get the baby out of me. I'm done. Like just being upset. Mm-hmm. And my perception was like this peaceful, you know, bringing in and this moment and this like, we're happy and this is all really good. And so we just had different views. And so going to that class, like brought us together on such a strong page. And I remember when we finished the class, I, I literally sat there that day and I was like, we could mm-hmm. do this. If it happened tomorrow, we would be totally fine. And then I had a doula Um, that I communicated with my whole pregnancy and unfortunately she did not make it to my birth. Um, (laughs) it was like the day that I turned 38 weeks is when she was going to be home for until I had the baby. And, um, She left like 37 weeks, six days to go do an overnight trip. And she was coming back Sunday morning. We had talked at like 10 p.m. And I was like, yeah, I'm a little tired, but it's pretty normal. And then three hours later, my water broke. So, (laughs) (laughs) but my husband did amazing. He was, and my nurses there were so great. And um, just did a lot of research on more of the natural methods to decide like how we wanted to do it because I didn't want to walk into it Mm -hmm. blind. And not understand what they were asking me if I would like to have and I wanted to have an idea and I knew that it might not go the way that I wanted and that was fine. But I felt like it was more important that I understood what I was asking for or what I was saying yes or no Mm -hmm. to when they offered it to me than just, you know what I mean, rolling with it.
2: Mm -hmm. So Totally. Yeah. I heard someone say recently that a birth plan, it's better to think of a birth plan as not, you know, how we traditionally think of it. Like this is how my birth will go, but more as like the opportunity to practice decision-making, you know? And I, I loved, yeah. th- I love thinking of it that way. Cause that's exactly what a birth plan, a, a good birth plan should do. It should just help you think through every eventuality and like, you know, how you would, how you would you know, analyze the information, what kind of questions you would ask and like how you would make decisions. It's such a great way of thinking of it. Totally.
1: Um, Not to mention, I think with most people, especially like you're saying, almost even with the birth class with your partner, making a plan can be an opportunity to talk about things that you may not think about discussing. And so I think, you know, if you're the, you know, I think, By default, most of the people that we talk to, it's them who are doing the researching and the reading, and so you might have come to conclusions yourself. But then, if you sit down and make a plan with your partner, sometimes those things come up, and your partner's like, "Well, Mm -hmm. I want, I would want that, or why? Why don't you want that?" And it's such a more appropriate space to kind of begin to process that together too.
0: Totally, and that was really important because then, when I wasn't able to be like fully present in birth because things got a little, just you know, it's intense. You're going through intense labor for that. (laughs) That's literally what it's called. He was able to kind of advocate for me and be like, no, this is what she wants. No, I know we've talked about this. And so it was our decision versus just me. And I know that it's, it's a woman's body and I totally get that and I agree. But at the same time, like you're both bringing in, you know, something that you made together. And so I wanted him to be a part of that conversation with me.
2: Well, yeah, for them to actually just have buy-in, you know, and to understand the process is, is so valuable. Otherwise, I mean, how many men are in a hospital room, just like a deer in the headlights and just like, you know, whatever the doctor says, whatever you say, dear, you know, I mean, I think that is, can be very disempowering for, for men. And, and disconnecting in the relationship, I think it's so powerful when couples are able to really get on the same page and when men are able to really like buy in and, and be part of the process. So that's beautiful.
0: Totally. My water broke out. Like we had gone to a soccer game earlier that night. And I think the labor, the heat is what put me into labor. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been, um, at 32 weeks, I got sent in, I was 80% effaced and dilated to a two at that point. Um, so they put me in for preterm labor, but I ended up finding out that that's actually something that all the women in my family have gone mm-hmm. through. So mm-hmm. it's good to know for the future because I didn't know that until I was in there getting tested for a few days. Um, but when I woke up that morning, my water broke just a little bit and I got up and I was feeling a little uneasy and I was like, I think I'm just going to call the doctor. And so I called him and explained to him what happened. And he's like, yeah, you should probably go to the hospital and just get checked and, So I got my husband up and I was like, okay, I think this is, you know, I think we need to go. We just need to check if my water broke. And he's like, well, should we pack everything? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. My, Mm -hmm. you know, I think my water broke, but I have no idea what this feels like. Um, You know, I very well could have peed my pants for that Mm -hmm. matter. And Mm -hmm. so... We started like getting things together and I walked into the bathroom and there was my water balloon. And I was like, okay, this is your water breaking. We need to pack everything ready to go. And I remember both of us just being like, this is it. This is like, this is the moment. Oh my gosh. And we've like thought about this for so yeah. long. And so it was awesome. We got in the car and I was, I'm not a very mellow person naturally in life, but um, so much serenity mm-hmm. that night. And I just was so peaceful and so happy and we're driving there and my husband's like, there's no way you're in labor. You'd be freaking out right now. And I was just so, you know, okay, let's do this. Let's go. And we got to the hospital about three o'clock in the morning, 2.45-ish and got in and they ran a test and they're like, it's it's looking negative, but let me try Mm -hmm. again. And so they tried another one and they're like, it's inconclusive if my water broke. So they're like, let me run this other test and then it'll take 30 minutes and then we'll get back to you. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So they go and run the test and come back in. At that point, I had had a few contractions that were starting and she's like, yeah, your water broke, you're in labor. And I was like, okay, here Mm -hmm. we go. And they checked me. I was at a three at that point. I was strep B positive and so I needed the antibiotics, but I am allergic to penicillin, which is the normal antibiotic Mm -hmm. they give you. So I like specifically remember the nurse looking at me being like, well, we need you pregnant for eight more hours so that you can get the full antibiotic before you have the baby. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, there! I can't do that. And so they did a hep walk, um, in my hand, and then we're waiting to do antibiotics. So we asked if we could go labor in the tub for a minute, and they said yes. So it was a really, really nice moment. Me and my husband got to go, and just he did the counter pressure on my back. I hated it on my knees, so he did counter pressure on my back, and I was in the water, and I was um, just laboring. And I realized at that point I had a, quite a few bowel movements in between. Um, and that's where I realized my body was kind of flushing mm-hmm. everything out and getting yeah. ready because I never really knew that that was a thing. Um, and so my body was totally preparing before we went to the tub. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom. We need to go back to the room. So he helped get me up and I had a friend photographing and video, videoing the birth. And so they had both arrived at that point and we I was going to the restroom and I was like, I think I'm, I think I need to push. I think this baby needs to come out. And my nurse is like, do not push. You will swell. Do not push. Yelling at me, you know. Will swell. And I'm I like, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, you, you will swell. You do not want to push. That will swell. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I'm trying to like hold it and, you know. So I'm laying literally I wish you could picture this like Oh we can. <laughs> the bed's over in the far This is where it's going to get yep. even better. The bed's over in the far right. I'm dripping wet from the bath. Mm-hmm. I'm in the bathroom still. I get up and I go, "I can't move. I got to labor." So I get down on my knees and I'm laboring on the bathroom floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the nurse is like, "I need you to be in the bed." And I'm like, "I can't I can't get up. I'm sorry." So I'm literally like on my knees and then I just flop over to my side and I'm like, I can't move. I'm going to have a contraction right here. And she's like, okay. She's like, we've got to know what she's at. My nurse plops down (laughs) on the floor next to me, sticks her hand up to see where I'm at. And she's like, she's an eight. Get her in the bed (laughs) now. And I just like, I remember thinking like, okay, I guess I'm progressing pretty quickly. So they, well, and this is like within an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So like i just flew by so they my husband picked me up and got me in the bed and um i don't remember this part but her heart rate started to drop a little bit and so they had me rotating side to side and um i remember like once i finally i heard someone say like is her heart rate still low and i was like need me to move and they're like, yeah, I need to go to the other side, but you got it. And I was like, mm-hmm. got it. And I remembered like this unknown power in my body, just flipping my body to their side, being like, okay, hey, what else yeah. do you need me to do? She needs <laughs> to be, you know, it was just like this mama bear, like instinct. It was crazy. And the moment I got back on my back, she mm-hmm. was fine. And her heart rate regulated. And um, within a couple of minutes, I had progressed to a full 10. They got like maybe a fourth of the antibiotic in me. And didn't have to do any other anything else. They just did that, and then my doctor did a ride, which was lucky. Um, he he was like, "There was no way you were going to go that fast." He's like, "Now I know that I need to meet you in the parking no, lot no in kidding. the future." I'm like, yeah, "Yes, yeah. seriously, I'm probably going to fly yeah, there at a, that
2: point." <laughs> you're a good candidate for a home birth. One of one of the accidental <laughs> type. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. I know, but seriously, we like joke, like we want a couple of kids and we're like, by baby number four, it's just going to fall out. We're going to be at the soccer game and the baby's just going to fall out. Man. <laughs> we're going to be like, okay, here we go. So my doctor got there, delivered. Um, I tore a little bit, but nothing crazy. I didn't have an episiotomy, which was great. I didn't want that. Um, I, I mean, honestly, it was, I have no memory of pain. I have no memory of anything negative from those moments and we I watched the video back a little bit now some of the raw footage and I had Mm. a little bit of pain but my memory is so just positive and optimistic about it and it was amazing and she came out and it was the best thing in the world and we were able to um not cut her cord right away and let her get that blood that came through her cord blood and um, then they immediately put her on my chest, and it mm. was amazing. Literally the best moment I've ever had yeah, in my life.
2: It really is. Wow. So how long did you push for? So I pushed okay. for about 30 minutes. It was pretty
0: pretty quick and everything all together. I mean, you never—like, I photographed multiple bursts before, but nothing like mine. Like, so I had no idea— what you know was going on. Um <laughs> it was just crazy like that it went so fast. So from the moment so I went into the hospital at or my water broke at one forty five in the morning and I delivered her at six twenty seven. Wow. So contractions started about three thirty. So about three hours from contractions to baby out. Mm-hmm. Um At least I had the warning with the water breaking, I guess.
2: I just like I I know I know there are so many factors and so many people who study this. And but I just I just want to know like why do some women have babies so quickly and efficiently and others do not? Like I just wanna know because it's so crazy that you know a first-time mom can, you know, that it can range so dramatically and that you can you know, I mean, I'm sure in your birth classes, you were prepared for, you know, 12 to 24 hours and, you know, and that's what's typical. And and it's so, so wonderful that you had such a quick birth. Um, but I just wish I, I just wish I understood.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, they do. I do know that they don't, obviously they can't yeah. prove anything, but they have for a while, supposed that if your water breaks first, it's actually initiated by the, the baby, right, right. by the fetus. Yeah. There's some kind of like catecholamine reaction. The baby's like, it's time when your water breaks. (laughs) I know. I've heard that. But other than that, (laughs) they really don't know. (laughs) Other than that, they don't know why some people's um, cervix is ready to change Mm -hmm. quickly. I've heard the whole, your body knows when
0: it's done and that's when labor kicks in. And it was funny because she carried low my whole pregnancy. And I wonder if had I carried her a little bit higher, would she have dropped low enough at that point that I could have that I would have waited, you know, because I do think that that pressure is what kind of broke my water. Yeah, Birth is insane. <laughs> and I have never, like, I will never try to understand it because even the act of getting pregnant is insane.
2: Yeah. It's all insane. That <laughs> it works. Yeah, it really is. It's funny because I have an eight and a half year old. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm in this really awkward stage of trying to, um, teach him about how it all works. And it's, it's very different than like talking to, you know, a birth client about how birth works, or obviously you don't have to talk to them about, you know, conception and, and reproduction, but, <laughs> but, but just still like, just like what you just said is so true. And being in a, in a place where I have to actually try to make it tenable to an eight-year-old is just very, very humbling and awkward. Yeah. I don't particularly enjoy it. <laughs> Can't wait for that one yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. I have a daughter now too. I have an eleven month old and eleven month old girl. And I think it will I think it will be worse talking to her about it. Cause you just like, you know, woman to woman, you just feelings and the the stakes and the, you know, like shared experiences and like all the things that you assume about their experience based on yours. I feel like that will be so much heavier than like just just with a with a boy, it feels like all I really need to do is like teach you about consent. Like if that's all we get across then we're good, <laughs> you know, and we're doing yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So how did your husband do during labor? You said he was great. Your doula wasn't there. How did he seem to actually, you know, you have that video footage. How was he?
0: Oh my gosh. He's a champ and he's so calm and he is so attentive and sweet. He's got a very like sweet and kind and gentle demeanor in general. So I didn't I wasn't really shocked that that's how he was during labor, but it was none of this like push harder now. Mm-hmm. You can do it. It was just very like supportive and very what do you need? You've got this. And I wanted it to be very mother-led for my labor because I felt like it was when I was pushing um I knew that I wanted to have control over when I was pushing and when I was, you know, have, like I knew when I was having contractions, they might be able to see it on the monitors, but I'm the one Mm -hmm. who really feels it and I can feel how long I can go and how much I can push. And so he was just so, you've got this, you just, I'm here for you. You do what you need. And, um, I mean, we both have waited for this. We've been married for about eight years and, um, with our two losses, he kind of struggled with the losses as well. And um, I think that we both just sat there in that moment and couldn't believe that it was real, that that was. And I still say that to him often. I'll be holding Rooney and I'll be like, can not believe she's our child? Like, she's literally ours yeah. forever. And it just blows my mind.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: Mm. I love that. How have you found the transition to being a mother?
0: Oh, man, it's I'm shocked at how well I've done, or not well I've done, but how mm-hmm. good I felt. um you know, my business was my baby for so long, and it was crazy, knowing that I would leave a little bit of it to have her and whatnot, but looking back on it, it's the best thing I've ever done right now. I'm working about a a day or two, and it's not even full days, and I've got a nanny that comes with me to my shoots usually, and um. It's just the best life like i I never knew what mm-hmm. I was missing, and now that I have it it's it's like I could never have it taken away from me um It's been life changing in the best way possible, and my husband joked because i've I've just naturally'm a pretty big hard ass in general, and so When I got pregnant, he was like, "You're so much nicer pregnant. You're just so kind. You're so sweet. You're so nice. You are so loving." And I'm the same as a mom, so it's just been really interesting how even you know personality traits have changed in me, and um, my own demeanor has changed a little bit in how Mm -hmm. I am, you know, with my relationships and just my daily life. I
2: guess. Yeah, it sounds like like it has softened you. That's the word that comes to mind.
0: Mm-hmm. It really has, and I'm so grateful for that too. I feel like I needed it a little bit, so it's nice that I've got a little bit of softening mm-hmm. going
2: on. <laughs> I can I can use some of that too. That's really lovely <laughs> to hear. I think that you know, motherhood brings out a lot of things in us, and I think it's for for most women, there's some really wonderful things that come out, and some really you know dark and sometimes even scary things that come out too. Um, but I I love to hear just how you're able to be so you know, so present and so, so positively impacted by, by this journey. That's really, really inspiring. Well, thank you.
0: And that's really what it is, is I'm, I'm like impacted by her in a way that it has changed my entire perspective Mm. on life. And I just think that I never understood that that's what would happen. And so now that it has, I think that that's, what's given me a chance to kind of step back and be like, okay, This is new, so this is how we want to act. This is how we want to do things so that it's, I don't know, just goes over a little Mm -hmm. bit better, I guess.
1: Yeah. No, and I think that's so beautiful. I think it's, you know, there's two sides to the coin of being a new mom and early postpartum, you know, and I think a lot of times... You hear a lot about people who have I mean, nothing's the same and it's and it's really hard and it can be really negative and it's just as important that people share that yeah. nothing's the same and, it, and it's really positive and I just mm. thank you so much for sharing that piece because I think sometimes people are a little hesitant as if they're you know bragging or like, like, like it's not that it isn't hard. It's not that you guys haven't had to deal with things and adjust and I'm sure you've had many sleepless nights and poopy diapers and... <laughs> arguments about little things that seem really big in the moment and hurt feelings and all the things that come with becoming parents, but also, you know, it can, it can, it can reshape things inside of you in a way that you never knew you were looking for. Yeah. Exactly.
2: I love what Laura just said because it's it's so true. And I think what you know, one of the things we want to do with the show is tell every story. But yeah, you know, so so many times, I think we've said this before on the show, you know, a lot of times the stories about birth or about motherhood that you do hear are the horror stories. You know, those are, those are the people dying to tell their birth story as, you know, the people who, you know, were, had whatever, you know, crazy situation or emergency situation or whatever that looks like, um, and and the same goes for like breastfeeding and that kind of stuff. A lot of times, the the main stories we hear about breastfeeding are how like it just didn't work out or how it was incredibly painful or hard or you know all of those things that are true and real. And and I and we don't we don't we want to tell those stories, but we also want to tell the stories of you know of peaceful transitions and you know really really. Um, you know, beautiful, connected moments in labor and, and in transition to motherhood, because it's so important for women to know that, that that is possible and that that can be part of their story and that it all, you know, it all comes together in, in whatever way it comes together, but that there's, there's so much good to be had and to be experienced. So, so it's really wonderful to hear, to hear your perspective. Well, I appreciate it. I feel like when
0: people say things like that, I often don't know how to react other than being like, well, thank you because really I, I do genuinely feel that way but it it is great to hear that and I hope that other women feel that way because birth and motherhood is unreal and we are so fortunate that we get to go through any stage or any process that we do and it just is mind boggling at how much it changes our lives. And I'm just so grateful and appreciative of it for sure.
2: Well, I think we will, I think we will wrap it up there because that is the, that's the perfect, the perfect little bow on this. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. We can't wait to share it with our listeners. Of course. Thanks thanks for having me. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to Motherbirth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff
2: going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes, which allows other people
1: to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Laura and Lisa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.